Hey, fellow travelers, and welcome to another episode of Self-Assembly. Before we jump into the episode, we have to go back in time a little bit to a very dark day for the United States and the world. That day is September 11th, 2001. September 11th was a defining moment for a lot of us. It was a day that the world changed. The people we were before the planes hit the towers were now gone. For me, that person wasn't all that different than the person I was on September 10th. I was still in 6th grade, I still liked video games, still couldn't wait for the next episode of Dragon Ball Z, but for the families of the nearly 3,000 people that died that day, it was apocalyptic. People lost brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, fathers, mothers. You always imagine your future with those people in it, side by side with you as you hit all of life's milestones, but then in a snap, everything changes. Your entire world is shattered, and you're left with no instructions on how to put the pieces back together. My next guest lost his mother on September 11th when he was just 12 years old. How he managed to escape the darkness of that day and emerge the jovial, kind spirit that he is today is a testament to the beauty of the human spirit. Travis is now a reverend and has dedicated his life to the service of others, Part of that service, and this is where I met him, is to facilitate the passing of other souls at their funerals. Travis has a warmth to him that I can only describe as heavenly, and I hope that comes through in the conversation you're about to hear. And I promise, for as heavy as the subject is on this episode, we had some fun in our discussions. Please welcome to Self-Assembly, Travis Boyd. Boyd, the Reverend, welcome to Self Assembly, man. Thanks for coming thank, on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to make this work for a while, so I'm really, you know, happy to kind of be a part of the number. Yeah, yeah man. No, I, I can't. I think we're gonna have a, a really, really cool conversation here. Um, so yeah, we, we were talking about this a little bit before we started rolling here, but the reason I wanted to have you um, on the show was because I very distinctly in my mind have this memory of the first time I really spent a lot of time with you. Uh, we started um, down in Beaufort, South Carolina. We were on your, your family's property and we were essentially having a cookout, having a barbecue. We were eating lots of amazing food, we were we were drinking beer together. We were re really just having a party. I think fireworks were probably involved at some point. Um, but then the next day, you sort of took on um, a role that, to me, was very uh, very pivotal and and essential for something that the entire family was going through. And that was the death of, of, of Lillian, of, of grandma, who was such a, a cornerstone in your family, really served this sort of, uh, this, this matriarchal role that sort of drove just so much of who the family was and, and the things the family did. And was just the spirit that was filled with love and just truly just a, a beautiful soul. But to to then see you go from kind of partying with us the day before and and then uh, to 
be facilitating this this very important process, I, I just thought to myself, like, man, I, I, I got to have a conversation with Travis about this. Um, but before we dive into that stuff, um, I'm wondering if you can just sort of introduce yourself. Um, you're a reverend, and uh, maybe you can explain to sort of those who have maybe heard the term reverend but don't know exactly what a reverend does. Just explain what you do uh, as a reverend. Yeah, so um, I've been ordained since, uh, matter of fact, I think the, the 29th of this month uh, uh, makes five years since I've been ordained. I think wow. kind of my fingers for a moment. <laughs> but it's been literally five years since I've been ordained. Uh, got ordained in 2017. Um, and the process just even becoming a reverend alone is 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 very tedious uh because not only do you have to go to school um at least it's a requirement in some churches or some pastors i require that but for me it was very important that i went to school to understand exactly what it was uh that i knew that god had called me to do um and so um, I went to seminary and I got my master's of divinity. Um, but the whole thing about reverend, of course, you know, we're able to marry, we're able, you know, to dedicate children, you know, do baptisms, do communion and different things. Um, I don't necessarily take it as, you know, when, when you, when you, when, when you reverence something, it's kind of along the lines of that. It's, you know, you, you pay homage or give honor to, um, or worship. And that's never the case for me. Um, at the end of the day, reverend or not, I'm always going to be a minister. Um, and so my objective is not to be served, but rather to serve others, to be servants to others. Um, as a Christian, um, we're taught biblically uh, that Christ came to serve and not to be served. And so if we become more like him um, in our everyday actions, we would do a small portion of, of what uh, is expected of us in this world. Um, and so that's really what really what it means to me. My, my objective up to it is is to serve, to serve people, God's people, people who, who may believe may be believers and people who may not be believers. Um, but just to serve. That's that's really what it means. And what, Reverend, is, what sort of service is that? Uh, like, tell me a little bit more about like serving. Like what, what exactly yeah. does that mean? So I think it's just even more so um, for me, servant servanthood is not just being in the church and you know loving on people but rather going into the community really speaking to the hearts of people finding out where they are finding what the needs are for people and trying to meet those needs or direct them in the direction in which you you know you might have the resources to push them in the direction to kind of help them and navigate life's journeys right um everyone's journey is different everyone's journey um goes in different paths and directions um, and when you serve people, to, just in my opinion, you meet people where they are. Um, and this, that means no judgment behind it. It means that I'm no, in no place to put you in heaven or hell. Um, I can offer you heaven. I can offer you the acceptance of Christ. Um, but my main, my main goal and objective is to make sure as a servant is that I do what is needed, which is meet the needs of the people. Beautiful. And, yeah. and, um, how did you sort of, how did your life sort of bring you uh, to this, th this service? It's, it's funny you say that. I, if you talk to Shannon, she will tell you, like, I've been, it's been in me. It's, it was like innate. It was just in me from a young kid. I remember getting them together down south in the yard when we were young and making them, I would have a church service and make them sing. And then I would be the preacher, you know, um, it was just like, it was in me. I think it, one, I was 
I was already, um, it was already endowed in me. Um, there's a scripture that says uh, that before I formed you, I knew you in your mother's womb. And so I think prior to me even being born, the relationship that I had with God before my human existence um, was predestined and preordained for me to be where I am. Um, and so the process of just being a part of it, uh, just doing it, you know, it, and just going into ministry is, is next to none because some people think, oh, you look good, you look well, everything's great. No, I'm just as human as everyone else. You know, I cry just like everyone else. I hurt like everyone else. I get depressed like everyone else, right? Um, but I know that there are measures in which I know that I can go to, um, especially in the Bible, to kind of help me relieve some of those pressures and then offer that other, others as well, too. So uh, the process is, it's, you know, I think it's a lot of studying, a lot of reading, a lot of praying, you know, um, and then also, too, just serving, you know. That's that's where the real ministry in 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 all of this comes from is just really being a servant. And the the service that you're saying, you know, there there's the um there's the physical aspect of it. I think, right? You know, I'm I'm assuming that there's um volunteering uh, your time to to assist people, but the service also can take the form of this sort of um in the form of what I was talking about at the top of this, where th there's this sort of facilitation of moving on to whatever, uh, whatever lies beyond this experience and helping people figure out to, to, to at least be a guide for folks to help um, reckon with that and to live a, a life that prepares them uh, right. for that. Right, right. Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, we all have to understand that there's life outside of a life beyond just this natural realm, right? Um, and, and what I believe is that there is a spiritual realm that we all will get to um, one day. Um, I believe that um, in order for us to really examine where we are after this, we must really examine what we do now um, and, and really appreciate the moments, you know, in which we are now. Um, in order to reach that afterlife or, you know, life after this. Yeah. Do, do you think that your your spiritual practice and, and your faith it is really kind of an exploration of, of life and death? Um, just, I, I, I don't, um, I don't personally, I don't uh, identify with any one specific religion. I'm, I'm pretty interested in the, the kind of breadth of, of all of them, but you know, the consistencies that I always see in them is they're it's, it's, it's a guide to how to live this current phase before you enter the next one, uh, right. you know, whatever, whatever that may be like. So is that sort of, do you think about that in terms of how you, you practice your faith? Well, yeah. So I think that identifying, so um, just even as being a minister uh, within the Christian faith, uh, our belief is that uh, there's life after this and life after this is in heaven with God. Right. Um, and we know that in order to, uh, and just within our faith, we know that in order to reach that life, we must accept Christ as our personal savior, because our belief is that Christ came, died to sacrifice himself, as the, the shed blood and lamb for the world, you know, to reprieve of, us all, of all of our sins, right? We can go into the whole litany as to why God would allow this to happen and blah, blah, blah. You know, people just gonna, we can, we can go into it, right? 
Um, and I have time for, but I don't think we have time <laughs> for it. Um, but what I will say is, is that my everyday practice is, of course, to prepare individuals for life after this, life with God, right? Um, because religion cannot save you. It's relationship. And so you got to figure out how do you handle your relationship with God? So that way, if you do get to heaven, imagine not having a relationship with God and getting to heaven and you be like, oh, hey, I never knew you, but what's up? Like, how are you going to come into my space and don't know who I am? That doesn't even make any sense. So it, it's, it's better if you have a relationship now so that when you get to heaven, it's not a strange relationship. <laughs> That's how I kind of look at it in a sense. Um, but yeah, a lot of my practice, a lot of my work um, goes toward not just what we can do now here on earth at the present moment, but then also how do we prepare ourselves for, you know, when life happens, when, when death happens and we are taken up, you know, and ascended up to, to live with God. And, and how are you, I guess the, 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 I don't mean to this question to come off like in any kind of rude way, but like, mm -hmm. how do you know, man, how, how do you, how do you know? Because, like, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, um, it's something one, well, one, this is how I know that God is real. Um, there are certain aspects in my life. Um, like I've been sitting on this couch multiple times. Um, I could be reading my Bible or watching TV and I will hear something in my ear. Right. And it's like, boom, um, this needs to happen. Or this is what I'm calling you to do. And then I call it, call, I'm called to do it. I go into doing it. And then it's like nothing but prosperous after that. Um, it's even like, I've had dreams about visions and different things. And I've seen a group of people in the church work on this one project that did not work. And then I had a dream and vision even prior to that. And I'm saying, y'all, let's try this. Cause I saw this and then boom, it works. Not necessarily just me, but it happens to everyone. I, I, I do, I am a firm believer, um, that God is real. I just, without a shadow of a doubt, I just know it. Um, just even from my life, own life experiences, uh, from the death of my mom and, you know, the loss of, you know, my grandmother and aunts and uncles and cousins um, to, for my family to be as resilient as we are and to bounce back from all of the death that we've experienced in the last literally 30 years. Like if I went through the timeline with you and we talked go, like going back in like 1993, 94, when like we first had like a real major death, which is our great, my great grandmother. Um, and every single year, for almost six, seven years, someone died in our family. We're always down south, right? Um, maybe sometimes two, three times a year because um, we have such a large family. But needless to say, we are, we are so resilient. And I do believe it's nothing but the grace of God that has really carried us, you know, through, through this entire process. Um, so to answer your question, how do I know? I know because I know. And I know because I believe. Um, and let's just say um, what I believe might be different Um then what may happen, um, at least I was able to believe in what I believe God showed me, what he taught me in his word. And I think it's really more so just having a, a firm, solid foundation in what you believe, right? People are gonna always have their opinions about it, which is cool, but I just know what I know and I, I believe it. I just, it's a firm belief that I know that God is real. Yeah. You believe it as, as, as much as you, you inhale and you exhale oxygen. Yes. As I sit on this couch and I, I have faith in that this couch is not going to let go of me. <laughs> Although I've gained 20 pounds, I know it's not going to let go. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the same belief I have in God and, I, and, and, and everything I've prayed for. Um, 
God has manifested, you know, it's like I have this prayer, but like God, like if I get new people around me, if I'm dating someone, like God, listen, if she's not the one for me, show me and remove her. Why do I pray those prayers? Because they happen. <laughs> you know, it's just like, man. But then I realized too, like, and, and with the process, I'm I'm shown like, yeah, you, I, I, it's so easy like to get into a relationship with someone and forget about God in the midst of Right. You can get so caught up in a relationship, you, you can forget about having your own personal relationship with God. And I think that's one thing, even just in life, you cannot uh, negate or push away the idea of your relationship with God. Um, and that's just with any God you believe, right? Um, but the God that I do believe in, I, I do believe that you cannot push that relationship with God. I, I believe that in everything, God, one, God is in everything, right? Um, and the scriptures tell us that because he blew breath into the earth, into the world. And it just was, it just became so. Um, and so because I believe he is in everything, um, I do just do believe that he teaches you and he shows you and he brings light to situations or circumstances. Um, I don't think I would have made it. I know for certain I would have made it had it not been for God. Um, I just wouldn't have. And I think my relationship with God my consistency, my prayer life um, has sustained me. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, at the top, I, I, I mentioned the, the, this very important role that you, you serve in the community and you, you know, you mentioned all the, all the death that your family has experienced, uh, the thing that I was so, so struck by uh, when I had the honor of, of being there for that funeral was there just, there just seemed to be something different about the way your family thinks about someone leaving their body and, uh -huh. and going it, it, like, th of course the sadness is there. Of course mm -hmm. it, it, we, we are missing this person. We, we are, uh, we are mourning the fact that we will never get to hug them again, to hear their, vo maybe hear their voice, who knows. Um, but at the same time, there always seems to be this, this just calmness to it. This, this acknowledgement that they are not gone, quote unquote, they are just going, they're, they're going somewhere else and they are still with us. They are still, um, they are still a part of us. They are still a part of this world and they can, they are with you. And, and it was just, it, it was so firm that that belief was just so firm and, and, and so inspiring. And I just, I was standing there listening to the words that you were saying as you were kind of guiding us through this ceremony, this, this official saying goodbye, the, the, the funeral. Um, mm. and I, and I've just, I'm wondering if you can talk about maybe what does a what does a funeral mean to you? What role does that play in the process of death and and why is it important? Right. So I think for our family, I think one of the major things um that is interesting about us enough is when something like this happens because we're so close, there's no pretending to be nice to each other. There's no pretending to love each other. We genuinely 
love each other. And you don't find that in everyone's family, right? Where everyone loves each other, right? Now there are some cousins, right? <laughs> you know, that we're just like, listen, you uh, stay away from you for a bit. You just look crazy. <laughs> but needless to say, um, we genuinely love each other. It doesn't matter how bad we are upset or we don't talk, we genuinely love each other. And I think what it is for us is just being able to support each other 1000%, right? Um, and then we just do have this firm, assuring belief uh, that um, whom we had with us, who might have, who might have passed away, um, they've left things for us, whether it just be something they might have said, a hug, a touch, a kiss, you know, um, how they've helped us through college or through just certain circumstances in life. Um, we have this firm belief in knowing that it's okay because we know that it's it just evident. It, it happens, right? But we also know too that the person that has lived the life within our family served the family well, did right by the family. Um, and we know that they're going to get their due just reward, you know, in heaven for that. Um, I, I, now I'm not going to say that every family member, you know, that has passed away went to heaven. Cause I don't, I don't know. You know, I just, I can't say that. Right. Um, but we do have a firm believing belief that they're probably still here with us, you know, in the spirit until, you know, it's time to be caught up, you know, when the rapture happens, that's, that's what, that's what we believe. Um, but I just think as a family camaraderie, I think it's just a love, the genuineness with each other. And just knowing that we are there to support each other is what it's what's so solid. So many people are like, whoa, y'all are like too calm for death. And I'm like, one is a big family too. It happens often in our family, right? It's like there's a black plague that's just killing everyone off at one time. It happens, right? And so we've learned to adjust and adapt to it. Um, I'm pretty sure my family is probably... Uh, has given the funeral home that we've been with for the last 30 years so much business. We probably bought them a whole nother funeral home at this point. <laughs> you know, uh, we, it's, it's really the love. Even the funeral director, she's like, wow, you know, I really love your family. Um, not only because we've loved her family so much, but, but just the fact that she said, there's love here and we can tell you all love each other, right? Uh, we just had a cousin, uh, uh, aunt, excuse me, that passed away about three weeks ago. I was down south two weeks ago for that funeral. Um, and it's just, we, I drove on a Friday, came back on a Sunday, right? It's just, we have to be there for each other, so, to, to support each other. So that I think that's probably what you felt, what you saw um, in, in that process um, of death. And I think with us, we, we, we view death um, in such a normal form. Um, and I think because it has happened to us so much, like I have friends who have never had anyone in their family die, right? Who has never really experienced any close death to them. Um, and then it's not until they do, you know, I find myself ministering to them, you know, or just being a friend and knowing what to do, how to comfort them because I've experienced it so much, right? Um, I know it seems weird to say that we're so, it's like a norm to us, no, we. I I was just thinking in my in my mind, you know, it's um, the word desensitized might might come up, but but it's so much deeper than that because it, because yeah. I think desensitized desensitized has like a it's a numbing sort of connotation right. to it, but it, it is it is it's so much more. It's not even. I mean, it's the opposite of that. It it is you are 
your family seems to me to be so fully immersed in it and and just accepting of it as a part of what we all will ultimately experience as human yeah. beings yeah. you know and and the fact that you guys have such a big family and you can trace generations of of folks back you know yeah. and and it it just i i just found myself standing there thinking how powerful that history and that spirit that has you know whoever whoever it was the you know that that began the family how many people had to persevere and and survive and how those experiences still carry down and new children are born and people leave this earth but at the end of the day that spirit that love that energy that is so permeable with mm -hmm. your family uh it, it is always going to live on and it is always going to influence the the world around us it, it was i, it, I, I was, was floored i really was <laughs> yeah it's, i totally agree and it's a lot of it too is you know um we we try to get together as often as we possibly can throughout the year of course um because we realized at one point we were just only seeing each other when it was death um and then even now I try to make it as purposeful as possible to make sure I stay in touch with my cousins and my aunts and my uncles, um, just for these reasons alone. Um, and so I think it's, we we go through this thing called death, but I also think we go through this thing called celebration. And like, we know it happened, We're gonna, we will celebrate your life. And we don't necessarily celebrate it so much in the sense of we're gonna turn up, you know, the day that if your funeral, but rather like, how do we live our life after this? to be meaningful and purposeful after. Um, and then I think also too, it gives us a chance to be with each other another time. It gives, gives us a chance to appreciate other, another time. Um, I think even like, it's easy for us to get together for 4th of July Thanksgiving, but when we come for a death, I hear I love you more than I hear any other time during the year, right? And I think it's because one, we don't know if this is going to be our last time seeing each other you know, um, and then we don't know when the next time we will see each other if we do live, right? Um, and I think we've just learned to accept the fact that love really conquers everything in our family. And I think that's what we try to give to everyone. So even, I don't know how you might've felt just coming into the family, but it's something that we definitely try to give <laughs> to, you know, everyone that we, we we see and we meet who comes into the family, who's around the family, who's connected to the family as well too. Once so. I got past Billy's hazing, I think I was good. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but what's I, interesting is that hazing you is really him letting you know he really likes you. I could because, tell, I could tell. No, he, he's the type of person like, he's like, Listen, if I don't like you, I ain't gonna talk to you. That's just his whole thing. So, you know, him hazing you, mean, which means he likes you. Even Ann. Uh, yeah, Ann, Ann's the best. Uh, yeah. We won't get into a ton of conversations about all these all these name drops that people have right. no reference for, but there, no, the, the family is just, uh, I, I wish like everyone could experience that, yeah. that sense of family because because I know that that is such an important part of how y'all live your lives. And, and it, 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 and it's such a, it's really, it's impacted me as well, you know, because like I, I find in my own family, like, man, I, I wish we could, 
not that we don't like my god we have we have a loving family i want to be very clear on that like i love i'm going to go see them next week i get it cannot wait to go see them they're going to be featured on this on this season uh no doubt but um but but there's just especially when it comes to death there there Mm -hmm. just seem to be such a deeper understanding that quite frankly the english language is not good enough to explain what that is even even now as i'm as i'm just trying to trying i'm trying to come up with words to describe what it is and and i'm truly I, i'm coming up largely blank but i mean the the real one is is love i mean you know that that is it's 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 love but it's it's like it's like something you can feel it's like a, a permeable thing you step onto that property and all of a sudden you're just in this beautiful space where everyone is laughing everyone seems to like even if they couldn't articulate it in that way there's just this deeper understanding of of life and why we're here and i think especially too you know you're you're coming from new york city you're coming from the craziest place in this country <laughs> arguably right <laughs> <laughs> and and to just step onto this really um it's the first time i understood what a sacred place was mm-hmm. i think that's the best way i can explain it i i I never really knew like what a sacred place was until I stepped onto that property, went to the dock, went to the went to the um the cemetery and then, you know, to to especially to hear your words ushering souls into heaven uh it, it just it all it all really clicked with me and it, it, it was it was very it, it was overwhelming uh a little bit you know i, I mean I, I i i obviously like i cried i i cried because and i cried because i was i was missing grandma i was sad that i was never gonna get to see her again i mean but at the same time it, it was also just because i was overwhelmed by this this spirit and and I, and I wish I just I wish people could 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 feel that. Like I wish I could like bottle up that feeling and just give it to as many people as possible because my god, what a world we would live in if we could all live as fully as that with that yeah. understanding. That and it was so, I think what's so interesting so much is um and even just even my own personal journey I think what kind of ties into this especially with our family is uh, so much of our seniors, our parents grew up on this property, grew up on this land. Um, it was passed down through generation. My great, great grandfather gave it to my great grandmother. She left it for her children. Um, and it's just like, it, it has heritage, it has history. Um, and even just for my family, like, um, and you you know this, my, my, my mom passed away in 9-11 um, in the World Trade on in the second tower on the 84th floor. Uh, my mother was such a big jewel to the family that it rocked us you know like you you probably would have never like my family from the south came to new york right in my apartment in harlem and um they just we all were there we stayed there people on the floor on the couch you know uh uh in the bed you know laying up against the dresser people would sleep i mean it was just it, it's family camaraderie right and I, I think that is probably the saddest i have ever seen my family 
in the in that moment. Um, one mama that was a single mother. Um, she loved all of her aunts, her uncles. She took care of them the best way she could, you know, with, with the help of her cousins. Um, she loved her mother, um, her sisters, her brother. It was just like, Liz is gone. And it, it, it and even if you bring it up, it still hurts them to this day. Um, and not to say that she was greater or better than any other person in the family, but I think it's in which how she passed away. Um, and it, it did rock us. It rocked me for a while um, because for the longest, I wouldn't talk about it. Um, I, and even like talking about overcoming death, like I always knew that, you know, it was a part of God's plan because that's what we were taught. You know, that death is a part of God's process and his plan. Everyone doesn't live forever. Right. Like I thought, uh, my aunt Lillian was going to live forever. Cause she was like 90, what, 92, 93 before she passed. And she had no ailments. It was just COVID, but she had no ailments. She wasn't sick. She wasn't like elderly to the point where she couldn't bathe herself or cook for herself. She was doing all these things at 93 years old, right? Um, and I think for, like with my mom in a sense, because it happened nationally and it was a major tragedy and it was just unexpected, right? I think that um, it definitely hurt us. It hurt me because um, I didn't realize how to get through the process of this, of losing a mother. Like it was easy to lose I'm going to say easy, but it, it, I understood how to lose other family members. I didn't know how to understand and lose my mom. Like that just, at 12 years old, you don't know that, right? That hasn't really happened to no one in our family, you know, in a very long time where they lost a parent at an early age. Um, and so I didn't really deal with it. Um, we talk about death, but we got also talk about the process of grief as well, too. Um, because that grieving process, some people think you should just go through it for a year or two. I went through that from from 12 to 18. And I would never forget Zach. I was sitting in college, I got to college and I was putting up pictures in my room and I had one picture left, but it was like this perfect little uh, cutout of the size of the picture with all these other pictures around it. And I go to pick up the pictures, a picture of me and my mom. And I'm like, oh my God, you know. And I'm losing it. But then I realized in that moment that I accepted the fact that she was gone. I accepted the fact that, you know, she might have, she might be watching over me, you know, and protecting me. But I also accepted the fact that I know what she taught me and instilled in me, she would be very proud. Um, and I think that's what we hold on to are the principles, the life lessons, the love that our loved ones leave and knowing that we would make them proud, you know, if they were still here. What is the grieving process? Well, it looks different for everyone. Just what, um, yeah, but what is, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess, I, I guess I was going to, I was going to ramble and, and go in deep, but yeah, I guess no, I'll just leave it there. Right. No, 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 I'll leave, I'll leave it there. What, what do you, what, what is the grieving process? Like, I understand it's, it's different for everyone. Like, obviously we all go through grief in different ways, but like on a, on a sort of a deeper level like what do you think is actually going on with with our being when we go through that um i think when you have someone that is not just uh either physically you connect to or mentally connect to i think the grieving process is really much a spiritual connection right because it's like taking a piece of you and it's leaving an empty hole in a sense um, and the grieving process is never really an ending process. The grieving process, I think, happens for 
eternity for it's it, for to me. I think it happens for the rest of your life, right? You 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 can never get over the idea that someone's gone. I think you get through the idea that they're gone, right? I'm never I'm never gonna be over. I'm one. I'm never gonna be able to live it down because it's gonna always be on TV for the rest of my life. You know that my mom is gone or somewhere is gonna always remind me. I'd be driving somewhere in New York City or even drive past downtown. You know where Ground Zero was. Um, I don't know if I will ever get over the grieving or the grief of my mother being gone. I learned how to deal with it in the process. I learned that, you know, I'm reminded of pictures and the love and loving memories and, you know, her smile and her laughter, you know, and then I have my family members who are always supportive to me to this day, 21 years later to this day, you know, and it's good to see or hear you look just like your mother, you know, or you walk just like your mother or you act just like your mother. It's, it's to me, it's a compliment, you know, cause I, my mother, one, my mother was the best thing to me, you know, um, in this entire world. Um, so I think the grieving process um, is an ongoing process that you never really get through. I think you learn how to deal with it, right? Um, but it's such a loss to me and my, in, in, in my thoughts because uh, it's a part of your spirit that was just taken, you know, it's just, it, it hits heavy, you know? And it's like, how do I heal? You learn to deal with it and you learn to go through it, you know? Because here's the other thing too, Zach, is that when you grieve and you learn how to manage the grief and get through the grief, you can really be of some assistance and some help to others when it's their time to grieve. You never know who's watching you or seeing you. There's, there's a verse in the Bible that says that be, be careful of who you entertain. You may be entertaining strangers or angels who are unaware, you know, that you may not know. Um, and I've realized that my life is always going to be a living testimony, whether I'm a minister or not. Um, it's going to always be a living testimony and an example of what it means to overcome something, right? And so if someone sees you getting through something and how you dealt with it, then they'll know that it's okay, you know, and they'll, they will eventually get through it. That, that's what you call a testimony, being able to test, like your life is a living testimony based off of how you act. And so it's never, I have to say anything or I have to show you anything. It's just how I live my life and the process of that will show others it's possible. It's it, it, it. When people hear like your mother died on 9-11, they'll be like, hold on, no, no, no. I, I should be crying or going through this. I'm like, no, you should cry. You should go through it, right? It's part of the process, right? My death was no more worse than the death that you all, that you, you experienced with your family members, right? We both lost someone. Um, and how it happened, it's tragic or might not, not, might not have been as tragic, but death is death. It, it, there's no equal value to it. it. It's just what it is. And, and man, like... I think that when tragedy like that strikes someone, there's this very common impulse to question, if there is a God, why would he allow this to happen to me? Right? Um, right. Did you um, did you face those kind of thoughts? And, and how did you, like, yeah, just, I mean. Um, I did not. I just questioned it a lot. Like, I, I went through this moment where I was enamored by, like I believed, at, so my mom was in the World Trade Center when it was bombed in the 90s. Oh, um, same desk, same floor or what have you. She made it out, picked me up from school and then took me home. Came home and act like it was nothing, right? Um, and I just knew I just got out of school early that day. Um, but I think for me, um, I don't know, Zach, it's, you just, you just, no, 
if it makes any difference. It's, it's, I, I can understand why it's hard to explain because I think that what I, what I want to do with this show is I, there, we are living in a very materialist sort of phase, I think of, of modern culture. We, we are very sort of grounded in what we can touch, what we can see hear, smell taste all this stuff right and there is this sort of there are movements in in science in these fields where people try to explore life and make sense of life there mm-hmm. are fields where people are trying to examine these sort of things that for so long uh have been the realm of 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 faith and and religion. I'm I'm listening to a book on uh, near death experiences right now, and it's fascinating because you hear these stories of people leaving their bodies, observing themselves above medical tables, and in some cases, communicating with uh, relatives that have since passed. There, I I read one. Um, I just got to the section of this book where, um, this person. What had a near-death experience and was communicated in the in the in heaven or wherever wherever you go when you leave your body, they were in this place and they saw uh, their sibling, and mm-hmm. their sibling, as far as they knew, was still alive, but their sibling told them that they had to go back. They had to go back to the body. There's still more to do. And keep in mind, they were in a coma, having a near-death experience, not conscious by any hmm. stretch of the imagination, by what we can measure. And it turned out that that sibling had literally died in a car accident while they were comatose. And and there are several several stories of this. And this is a, a psychiatrist who's written this book. And he's talking about how he he's had to, you know, it's it's shaken his entire perception of of what yeah. is um what is really going on and you know I, yeah I, I think that that um my relationship with god um at 12 years old when i was reared in the church let me just say that yeah. so it would definitely i would definitely deal with my relationship in death and god differently than others would sure um but for me my belief i never questioned god um in that process, uh, in regards to um, if he was real or um, if, if he's evil, I always said to God, my prayer to God was, um, please let my mom come home, even mm-hmm. years after. Mm-hmm. And my brain, until I got to college that day when I put that picture in the thing, I was under the impression that she probably was comatose somewhere, had lost her mind, you know, and they just couldn't find her body because they, 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 they still don't have found her body. It wasn't just up until maybe about 10, 15 years ago, uh, the forensics, as they were still going through things, they found a piece of her hip or what have you. Um, but needless to say, um, I never not trusted God in the process. Yeah. I just needed God to show me how to deal with the process. Um, I, I preach. I preach all the time about uh, 
you know, there is the, the gift that God gives you when he gives you a dream or a vision, and then there's the finished product of it. But I always talk about the process in, in between. How do we get to the work, the finished work that, that God has called us to do? And we have to learn how to endure the process, learn how to accept all the challenges, the, the, the mistakes, the hiccups, the, the crying, the, 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 the falling out, you know, starting at the nose. And one of my favorite scriptures, it says, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I'm a firm believer that my good, my bad, my ugly, my pretty works together for my good. It makes me a stronger person. It makes me a better person. Um, so that I can minister to people and be of service, be of service to people um, when they go through their process or when they go through something in life. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's that I never, I, I never not trusted God um, or because people were like, why, why would we serve? Why would you serve a God that's this evil or, mm. or mean? And I'm just like, no, like God does things for a reason, right? I, I'm a firm believer in that, but I also believe that God also does things to awaken us and enlighten us to show us to make a better person. I do not believe that I will be the man that I am today if my mom had not been gone. Wow. I do not believe that I could appreciate life um, and appreciate the things that God has done for me in my life had she not gone. Because I don't know if I would have grown up. I do not believe that. I believe that I would have, I, I, I believe what I went through is a true testament of who I am today. And then it all is a true testament in the fact that I can take those life lessons that she taught me at such a, it blows my mind when I tell people yeah. that my mother taught me how to tie a tie at eight years old. Or like she taught me how to dress, you know, from such a, a little kid. Or she always taught me, I, I would never forget my mother told me, um, I might've been like 10 or 11. She says, Travis, she says, if you ever get a woman and she never gets along with me, she's not, it's not her. <laughs> She, she, she's not the one. <laughs> like, it was just like little life lessons. My mother would always say, if you lie, you steal. And if you steal, you kill. You know, it, it's the small life lessons that she just reared in me and talked to me. I knew from an early age that I was like seven, eight years old. She was like, you're going to college. It's not an option. Like, I didn't have an option not to go, you know? So I think her being gone, of course, is tragic. I will forever love and miss my mother. Um, and to this day, I, you know, I sometimes I'm like, man, I wish my mom was here to see this, you know, experience this. Um, but then I look at it 21 years later after her death, um, this coming weekend of Mother's Day weekend, I will have my doctorate degree. Who would have thought, you know, and to me, I, I would consider this as the best gift that I, can, I could have given my mother which was give her something more than she expected of me. Her expectation was I would just go get a bachelor's, not a doctorate, you know? So I dedicate my, my doctorate to her, right? Um, because of the fact that I did beyond and more than what she would have wanted me to do. How do you envision her? Where do you, where, where do you think she is? Like, huh. So I believe that when people die, you don't go straight to heaven, right? Um, so there's a scripture that identifies and talks and says that when Christ comes back, the dead in Christ rise first, triumph over the grave, and the rest of us will be caught up into the sky, right? Um, in the rapture. Um, I believe that she's here. I believe that uh, she watches. Um, here, believe, here being on earth or? Yeah, I think her spirit is here, right? 
or yet yeah, parts of her spirits might be here. Um, I believe that um, it's just like certain things. Like I see, I see nine eleven every night and every morning. Creepy, right? Someone told me you should go play the numbers. Maybe I should go play the numbers. Or something I don't know. <laughs> but I see every night, and it's just a constant reminder. You know, mom, I love you. You know, or I think it's just her showing me that she's still here and let let you let me know she cares, right? Um, I don't know. I think I, what I do know is is that she would be grinning from ear to ear. I mean, grinning from ear to ear. Um, and my aunts, my aunts would say this. I think you would be a little further in life and making way more money. You know, if she was here because she didn't play. I was like, I might have been making a little more money. I'm not gonna put that there. But I don't think I would have had no doctor. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 not at all. But I, I just, I think that um, too, um, she, she just, she's proud. She's probably watching, probably sitting in the air somewhere watching or something. I don't know. Uh, but whatever, wherever she is, I, I hope that there is a smile on her face, you know, and she's like, that's my boy, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, man. <laughs> I love that. So, you so as someone that experiences and has has been around death for you've been you've been immersed in it uh for better or for worse um how do you think that our culture handles it uh what what do we do well what are we really bad at um i think we're bad at um normalizing murder We, we, I think when it comes to death in that sense, right? Mm. Uh, whether it be television, social media, mm. we normalize it. You can pick up the phone, see someone get shot in the head, the brain splat all over the place. It's normalized. You can watch a movie or, or a TV series or a drama film and it's like, boom, pow, they're gone, right? I'm playing I'm a video gone. game right now and yeah. every time you die, it goes, you died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that we should do better with teaching people how to deal with death, not, not to, and, and not how to accept it, right? Because um, what I think for a lot of people is, I got friends who will never want to think about the fact that their mother's going to die or their aunts are going to die. And I'm like, you are a sad puppy. If this is not an image you have to play in your head. This, I think it's something you should think about the idea of losing someone so you can know how you're going to handle yourself in the process, right? Um, I never want to wish death on my aunts, not ever, right? Um, but I just, I think about it and I'm like, Lord, if my aunts go, I probably would be a mess, right? Because uh, they raised me, you know, after my mom, of course, but I would be a mess, but I also know that there are things that I would have to take care of and making sure that I do them justice and make them proud as well too. Um, and so I think death is never necessarily for you, for, um, for the person, it's for you. It's for you to help live life better. Um, I don't think we normalize the fact that when people die, it should teach us how to um, experience life more and go places that others have not gone. Um, I, I've traveled across this world on so many, as I'm so proud of Shannon because she's traveling the world, you know, and doing things that a lot of our family members would have never done, even the ones who have died, 
you know? Um, and so I think that that's what we should normalize and what we should do good on as a society is teach people how to live their life the fullest and the best, right? Laugh more, love more, you know, cry more if you need to. Um, but learn to just accept it for what it is and not move on, but move through it. You, re- you bring up such an interesting point there about how how much death there is in our popular culture. Yeah. It, it, it is such a, a center point of, it, it is, it's, it can be funny, you know, it can be fun. Like it's literal, like in video games, it's, you know, you kill the bad guy or what have you, you, but yeah, to your point, there's no, like we, we're, we're immersed in it and we know that at the end of the road, that's where every single one of us is headed. Regardless, if you're a person, if you're a soul occupying a human body, at some point, you and every single person that you know and love is going to die. But we still can't sit down with our loved ones and friends and be like, hey, man, like, how do you, what, what would you want that to look like? Correct. We're, you know, I think because people, people are not able to accept the idea. I think people have FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm. <laughs> I, FOMO. I heard about this. I, I def, yeah, I, I first heard about FOMO. I was watching uh, this clip with Oprah and Gail and they were talking about FOMO, what happened, but needless to say. Um, um, FOMO, I, I, people have this fear of missing out. Like, if I think about death, I'm thinking about the fact that I'm going to miss out what's going to happen next. Mm. Or I'm not going to see the future or see where this turns or how life may turn, right? I live my life every day, not in the expectation and saying I'm going to die today, but rather that if I do, I have to be okay with the fact that I'm gone. Mm. Because if you're gone, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't say, oh, wait, 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 hold up now. You, you can't, you, you gone, you are gone. Right. So I think you learn how to deal. I think we have to learn, need to learn how to deal with that, that it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Right. Um, but then also deal with how to embrace the process of going through that. Um, I, my, my, my aunts, I was just telling them a few months ago, I was like, listen, y'all need wills. I said, I don't want to fight with anyone for no money, you know, or property or, you know, clothing or jewelry. I, before I fight, I'll just, you can have it. You know, but I think to have things in order, put a program together, say, who do you want to speak? Make the job easier for me. I'm going to be mourning at this time. <laughs> you know, I don't want to think about this stuff. I'm sad. <laughs> right, I'm sad. Let me just hand the, the woman the paper. Let me give her the paper and you just go ahead and let me just put you in the ground. But I think in, in more so, I just think that we have to learn how to prepare our life and not think of preparation for death is now. It's just exactly what it is, just preparation. You're preparing the work. You're preparing the people for when it does happen. Um, and that is why so many people um, outside of the African-American community, and I can just say this, are financially su- successful and, and stable is because they, they prepare themselves for what's to end and not what's to come. Mm. Like, so we're, like, to come is tomorrow. But what's to end? We never prepare ourselves for the end. We don't leave life insurance policies for our kids. You know, we don't 
set them up financially to make sure, hey, this is paid for. This is where you go. This is the paperwork you use. Like we don't do those things. And so it's definitely a huge problem, especially in our society, in our community. Um, it's definitely a huge problem. And I want us to wake up and, and, and start planning and doing because there's so like, I, Zach, I couldn't even tell you how many GoFundMe accounts I see on Facebook or YouTube because someone's relative died and they did not have enough money in life insurance policies to cover the funeral arrangements. Mm -hmm. You don't want to cremate them. And so it's a scary thought to talk with, talk about with loved ones. Cause like, oh my God, you about to die? No, just want to have a conversation. I was literally laying in the bed and I was like, you know what, Travis, maybe you should write out your, your program or order a service, right? Of what you want, what you want to go on. And I, cause I was watching the movie. I was like, maybe we should, you should write that out. And I'm going to write it out because it's not that I'm saying like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to be gone. It's just saying that there is life. Anything can happen. I could walk out the house and get hit by a bus tomorrow and gone. And my family would not know what to do. How much of a role do you think your your faith and your relationship with God has prepared you for for death and these conversations? Like how much of a, how, yeah, how much of a role has that played um, in the way you think? I about think it? it's because I know where I'm going after this, right? I have a, I have a firm belief in knowing where I'm going after this um, or when my, when my time is to come. Um, I do know that my role in relationship not just prepares me, but it helps me prepare others. Mm. Um, and so I got to my, I was talking the other day and I was saying, you know, if I go, you know, and I said, but let me just say this, I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon, you know? Um, so that's not my plan, right? My plan may not be God's plans, but I pray that God, you know, adheres to my plan. And, <laughs> you know, he listens to my plan and like, all right, let him go in his nineties or, you know, he turns a hundred, you know? Cause I really wanted to live to see a hundred. I really, 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 really do. Um, I really, I don't want to be in well mind and, and able body and, you know, all that stuff. But um, I think my role prepares me um, enough to just trust in the process you know, and, and live life without any thoughts of like regretting anything. Um, so I tell the people that I love, I love them now, you know, and not waiting for them to cry over my body and tell me, oh, I love you and I miss you. Too late, you know? Um, I can't take it with you. I can't take it with me, right? Um, so I think it prepares me how to just trust the process and whatever happens, happens. Whenever it happens, it happens, you know? Um, like, I, now I, to me, I think I've had some near-death experiences, um, but when I look back on it, I was like, it was never really that serious. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by that? What, what, uh, what did you experience? Um, one day, I will never forget, I was in my house, I was living in Virginia at the time, and um, this is when I realized I had developed IB, uh, IBS and um, I was getting dressed for school. I was in grad school and I fell to my knees. Um, and then I uh, remember I had um, gotten the car. I had this like excruciating pain in my stomach. I couldn't, we couldn't figure out what it was. Um, and I was in the car and it was like a feeling like 
I was about to die. You, no one ever knows what it feels like to die, but you can just only imagine like this is, I'm, I feel like I'm about to die. Like I, I was hardly breathing. I was in so much pain. I had to drive like this, you know, I'm just like, I am in excruciating pain. And this is what I swear to God, Zach. I said, God, if you are going to take me out, do it now at this light. I cannot take this pain anymore. <laughs> I was going to die that day. But just come to find out I had Arabelle syndrome and you know it just you know just was some poop trying to get through. <laughs> and God said, uh, I will help you pass this poop and uh, right. <laughs> and we're gonna but get through it, Travis. <laughs> yeah, needless to say. Um and I just I you know, and you know what I you know when I really think about my own fate too is when I get on a plane. Hmm. I'm like, oh my God. And then I think about it, I'm like, well, crap. Like, if something happened, it ain't nothing you could do about it. So go to sleep and enjoy the ride. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, when you said uh you know where you're going, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? I know that when I leave this earth. I know that whenever God does call me to heaven, I know that's exactly where I'm going. I know for certain. Yeah. How? Um, How do you know that? Well, one, scriptures tell us, if thou confess with thy mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved, right? Saved in the terms of salvation, it means that you know where your life will be after this whole earthly experience. And so because I'm a firm believer in Christ, I'm a firm believer in the spirit of God, I know exactly where I'm going because I have confessed with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and God is risen from the dead. I firmly believe it. As a matter of fact, uh, Easter or also known as Resurrection Sunday is one of my favorite times of the year, right? Because it gets me to thinking about how much God loved me, loved us so much that he would bring part of himself to this world to be sacrificed for our sins. And so every day I live my life and know that I am really not even worthy of like, cause of half the stuff I've probably have done, but I've realized that he's like God sent his son to sacrifice himself for me. Why well, I feel guilty and like, like I shouldn't have to feel guilty. Like I do feel guilty about the things that I do, but I should never have to carry that burden with me, if that makes any sense. Um, and so because I give it to God, right? And I'm not saying we're, we're perfect. Or, like, we're all gonna make mistakes at the end of the day, but I believe when you give when you give your problems, your trials, your adversities, whatever it is to God, I, I'm just a firm believer that you, um, you learn to live better and at peace with life um, and know what happens after this life, right? Um, I have, matter of fact, I have some musicians that play for me um, and, uh, we were talking about death and I said, Lord, I said, could you imagine, um, the, the amount of people on earth when we get caught up, you know, to meet uh, Christ in the air? I said, could you imagine the amount of people who are just like, man, did I miss the rapture? Did I miss the rapture? They was like, no, we can't imagine it because we gonna get caught up too. This is like, <laughs> whoa, like y'all in y'all in your early twenties talking like this. Like, I think it's just, um, I just know when you know, you know, you know, um, and I do my best. I don't do everything perfect. I do my best. And I think when you do your best, God sees that and he honors that. I really, really do. Yeah. What um what advice would you give to folks that are are trying to come to terms with this uh 
this thing that we've been talking about the the the, the whole the whole episode right the, the this eventual and inevitable movement beyond our bodies uh would you what would you say to someone i guess also like from a someone who maybe does share your faith and has accepted jesus like that and maybe others that are kind of just still kind of um maybe on their own on a different path maybe eventually they work their way there maybe you know they don't but like someone who who doesn't maybe um isn't quite as as much of a of a believer as you are like how would you what advice would you give to them if they are maybe feeling any kind of insecurities around the death of themselves or the death of uh, a of a loved one? Like, what what would you say to them? I, I would tell them to mind their business and drink their own water. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. No, but what I will say to someone, <laughs> isn't that funny? <laughs> it was like, what do you think about this? I said, all I do is just mind my business and drink water. That's Amen. all I do. I Amen. What <laughs> I was saying that I, what I, what, I, what I think is. Um, for someone who may be a believer or non-believer or whatever the case is, I think we have to learn how to, um, one, accept the fact that life is, it begins and it has an ending to it, right? And we all have an expiration date, right? We don't know when that date is um, because if we knew, then we would, you know, try to defeat it and, you know, live past it, you know, or try our best to do something that we might live past it. Um, but we don't know. That's one. I think two, um, I think individuals should identify and find themselves engulfed in some kind of relationship with God. Hmm. Um, because again, it goes back to what I was saying originally. It's not about religion. It's not about serving a religion, serving, you know, uh, these, uh, sacraments of a church or, or a ritual. It's about a relationship with God at the end of the day. Right. And when you develop a relationship with God, like I, I'm, a, I'm a history teacher by, by trade, by day. And um, I was teaching my kids um, different religions. So we're talking about Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, uh, Christianity, and how they all formed, where they formed different parts of the world and different things like that, and how they migrated over different empires and how they have ruled countries and tore down empires and, and people are warring against each other through religion and different things. And I said, there's so much we can take from this. I said, you can be Islamic and take some of the principles of Christianity. You can be a Christian and take some of the principles of Buddhism. Um, it doesn't mean you have to believe in their God, but if you take principles and live by them and identify what works best for you, you'll really see the better outcome for yourself when it comes to this whole process of death, right? Um, I know like if I don't meditate or pray, I'm going to pop a blood vessel in my brain and die. <laughs> Not only am I a minister, but I'm also a school teacher. So I definitely have to make sure that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm meditating somewhere, right? That's part of your mental health. You're, you're taking care of your, your self-care, you know, taking care of yourself. Um, That's the most practical application for med for meditation that I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, self-care is the best care. You know, I think that uh, we have to learn how to take care of ourselves, right? Um, not just to live long lives and to be effective to those who we connect with every day, but then too, to make sure that our spiritual appetite is good, to make sure that our mental appetite is good. And then, then we can worry about our physical appetite, right? Um, what is it that we feed ourselves? What do we, what do we give ourselves? What do we digest? The conversations that we have with people, who do we connect ourselves with, right? 
Um, because that also plays a major role in how we think and what we do and how we maneuver. Who do we connect ourselves with that is going to steer us in the right positive direction to make sure that we live healthier lives? You know, and everything that's in the service, we can learn how to not get over death, but live through the process of grieving or death rather and, and understand that it is inevitable. It's going to happen. But how do I live day to day knowing that I'm living my best life? living the life that I was ordained to live, living the life that's purposeful and meaningful. And that has a level of consciousness when it comes to being a servant, right? There are servants in all of us. We all can do the acts, acts of service, right? I think that's what matters most than anything else. Amazing, amazing words to live by, man. Yes, sir. That was beautiful. Thank you, thank you so much for your time, Travis. Thank this you for this has been me. so much fun. Like, I, I just, I, I thank you so much for, for for getting for getting raw with us and just telling us about your your life experiences and and everything that's brought you to the amazing person that you are today um i i just think that you know people need to be more comfortable sharing uh this kind of stuff and just and having more conversations about the things that we're not sure about the things that we're still trying to figure out the things that we are scared of that, you know, like we, people need, we need to normalize conversations like this. I, and I, I appreciate you helping me do that today. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you for inviting me and really having this conversation. You know, I try to have these conversations with people as much as possible because I need people to understand um, that the life that we live is so much bigger than us. It's how we affect people based off of the life that we live, you know? Um, so I definitely, I appreciate you for having me and entrusting me to have this conversation with you. Of course. Um, is there anywhere you want to direct folks that they can uh, participate in your life journey, uh, or, or like anything you want to you want to throw out there? So, um, my church and I, we decided that a few young adults decided that we would throw a service once a month. At the end of the month, um, it's called the healing experience. And the reason why we call it a healing experience is because we want it to be a place where people can either tune in online or come into the church and identify what it feels like to have healing in the midst of COVID, right? We, like you've said, we've had so many people die. And I've had relatives that who have died uh, that you know of um, that has had COVID, that has experienced COVID. Uh, there are people who are still sick from COVID, who are still catching COVID to this day. And so we want it to be a place where people can have a spiritual healing experience um, to help them through the process, right? I don't want you to necessarily get over the process, get through the process, right? And when you get through the process, you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Um, and so that's that's what we have. Um, and, and we do it through singing, dancing, you know, worshiping, you know, uh, at church. Um, and so you can follow us at Canaan Baptist COC um on instagram and facebook and then also you can follow me on instagram as well too and facebook at m travis boyd um and then check me out at mtravisboyd.net dot net all right and we'll have links to all that stuff in the description for this episode um yes, but sir. until next time thanks again travis peace that was travis boyd everyone huge huge thank you to travis for sharing his story and his light with us uh, I don't know about y'all, but just listening to that man talk really does give me hope for the future. Do check out his church if you're interested. You can find them on Facebook at Canon Baptist C-O-C. That's C-A-N-A-A-N Baptist C-O-C. And you can listen to one of Travis's sermons. Um, I, I think they're called sermons. 
Anyway, just listen to him. You know he's great. And if you're in New York, why not check them out in person? And if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe even dishing out one of those coveted five-star ratings. Uh, You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at selfassemblypod. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you all again in two weeks with our third conversation on death. Until then, follow your hearts, be kind to others, and appreciate the beauty of every moment you experience. Talk soon, y'all. Bye.